Welcome to Opening Doors, the real estate podcast with Chantel, where we open the door on how to dominate your marketplace with world-class real estate conversations. All right, let's get into it. Today, we're jumping on to talk about the why and how of databasing. So we're going to take a deep dive into databasing today. But before we jump into it, I just wanted to tell you a little bit about me. So I'm Chantel. Um, I've been in the real estate industry for over 15 years now. Um, Many uh, various roles, but predominantly selling uh, for majority of that time. And currently, uh, I'm the founder and director of my company, Client Collective. So Client Collective is an Australian-based team. Um, we've got team members all over the, all over Australia, predominantly the East coast. Uh, and we look after clients all over Australia and New Zealand. So, um, we look after any kind of call you can think of any kind of outbound call. You're just listed, just sold anniversary calls, client nurturing is something I'm really passionate about. Um, lead generation. So generating your appraisals and that kind of thing. Um, And I'm also really passionate and interested in database efficiency. And we work with our clients really to make sure that their database is performing as well as it can. And so that they can get the most out of it. Um, Last year, we were uh, very busy and fortunate enough to generate over $19 million in commission for our clients, which is um, something that I'm super, super proud of. Um, But today isn't a sales pitch about Client Collective. Today, I really want to show you how you can implement the strategies that we use to look after our clients' databases in your own database so that you can really maximize what you're getting out of your calls uh, and out of your data and dominate your marketplace. Uh, All right. So before we get into it, I guess, is it for you? Is this uh, worth sitting through this webinar uh, and and, uh, spending time with me today? So just couple of things we'll run through. So I guess the questions to ask yourself is, do you have a massive database um, with maybe missing or out of date information? So is it utilizable? Can you get the most out of it? Can you sit down and do a call session and make it really efficient? Um, I meet with a lot of clients and um, they're super proud of having, you know, three, four, five, six, 7,000 contacts, um, but it's not relevant and it's not utilizable. So Um, If that's yes, then it's definitely for you. We can talk about that. Are you losing listings where you knew the owners? So you might have met them somewhere. You might have met them at an open home. You had them in your pipeline um, and maybe you sold it to them. Maybe you sold the property to them and then they've come up and listed with somebody else. Um, If that's you, this is definitely for you. Uh, Do you just want to create some more regular and consistent leads coming through? You want to build your pipeline? Um, This is a great great way to do that as well. Maybe you're amazing at the listing table. You're really great at converting, but you just want to get in the door on a few more. You need more presentations to keep you busy. Um, Getting frustrated with commission grabbers. This is super current, I mean, at the moment, but also for the last couple of years, you know, uh, people like or companies like Open Agent that give you a lead and then take 20% of your commission off the top of it. So looking at your database really can eliminate that as a risk for you because you have the relationship. So once you've built that database, you've built that communication with your clients, there's no risk or very, very um, unlikely that they're going to go seeking advice from an external provider like Open Agent or somebody like that. Uh, or maybe you're trying to build market share or grow into a new area. Um, this is a really great way of looking at how the best a plan of attack is to really do that well. So yeah, if you answered yes to any of those and it's well worthwhile hanging around, or if you do just want to put in place consistent communication plans to your database, we'll cover you on that as well. All right, so databasing 101. What is a database and why should I run one? Why should it be efficient? Uh, Where do I start? We're going to cover things like picking an area, this is going to be over the over our series of database um, webinars. Uh, we won't do picking an area today, but we will get to it. Um, I have a database, but it's dirty. I need to clean it. Can't use it. Um, how to overcome fear of the phone or phone hesitation, which is a really big one that we I see in a lot of agents, and they you know say to me. I'm just not interested in cold calling. And there's lots of tips and tricks that we can utilize to help get through that and get past it. 
Um, and yeah, we do, we've got, you know, 17 on the phones and we're doing over 4,000 calls a week. Um, so I can definitely help guide you through some tips to get over phone, fear of the phone and phone hesitancy. I want to talk about why pipe is the most important part of your job. So when I say pipe, and I'm going to refer to pipeline uh, quite a bit throughout this uh, presentation or webinar uh, and podcast, if you're listening on the podcast, um, pipeline is a client in your database, or you might've met them in an open home or, you know, anywhere in, in your day-to-day -day happenings of your job. A pipeline client is somebody who's indicated to you that they are thinking of coming to market. So it could be, and some people will do say zero to two years. It might be zero to 18 months that they're thinking about doing something, but we're calling that your pipeline. So your pipeline of future clients. Uh, we'll cover lots and lots of script ideas and everything else database related over this series as well. Um, and I did want to mention, if you guys do have any questions, there's a questions um, button at the bottom of your Zoom screen. So just pop them in there. I'll see them pop up and then I can address them, um, you know, throughout as we go. All right. So today we are going to start at the start. What is a database and why do I need one? So I know that might um, seem like a basic question, but to answer that, and, and um, it is, but and it isn't at the same time, uh, to answer that, I'm going to take you back to uh, before we had Client Collective, uh, when I was working as a salesperson. So Client Collective uh, and the idea for Client Collective started when I was working as a salesperson in a real estate office uh, on the north side of Brisbane. So we basically, we identified that there was a, we were missing listings. We were missing listings in our core suburbs and we wanted to know why and we wanted to be converting more of that business. So essentially, we audited the database. So we looked at the core suburbs for the business and we looked at every single listing that had come to market within a two-year period and we audited and found out why we missed it. So after... Uh, that was a massive job, as you can imagine. Uh, we literally went through every single note to see had we been in communication with them? Did we present and maybe we missed it at the listing table? Did we have the data in the first place? You know, what was it? And at the end of that exercise, we found out it was just the most brilliant um, exercise. And I can tell you now, you know, 90% of businesses will be in the same position. So you don't need to waste time or money doing it. Uh, just know that it, it's, um, it's the truth for real estate agencies we found that we already had the data. So we already had the contact information for the clients. Uh, we knew where they lived in most cases um, and we were missing it because we weren't speaking to them. So the overwhelming answer was that there was a lapse in communication between us as the agency and the clients in the marketplace. Uh, and we thought we were okay at it. You know, we did the just listed, just sold calls, try to keep up with the anniversary calls and things like that. But when we looked at the regularity, consistency of that communication, it just was not hitting the mark. So we knew that we needed to put in place a fix for it. And we knew that we needed to be speaking to our clients more. So we trialed a couple of things before we found what worked for us and what was right for the business. Um, so the first thing we trialed was putting associates in place. So we hired associates put them in place with the agents, um, helped guide them, train them, part paid for them in some cases. Um, and the idea was that they could support the agent in their day-to-day, -day, but they would their core role would be to make sure the prospecting was done, make sure that the database was being contacted consistently, regularly, uh, not once a year or you know just when a listing came up in their street. But what we found with that was that as the agents got busy, so did the associates. So we found that eventually, uh, or often quite quickly, the agents would get busy uh, and the associates would be off doing building and pest inspections, they'd be doing open homes, they'd be doing buyer callbacks, meeting photographers, meeting valuers, um, everything and anything except for prospecting. So prospecting was the first thing to be pushed down the list and we found that we still had the same problem that our clients weren't being communicated to. Um, now it's worth mentioning actually that the, we also did the dollar value of the audit so that we could see what is this costing us? And at that time, it was a million dollars a month to that business that was being missed in commission. Uh, so it was a huge, huge uh, miss lost opportunity. And yeah, it really, really pointed out. So hence why we were so, so interested in making sure that we figured out what was going to work. We knew what the problem was. It was just about finding the solution. 
So we also trialled uh, putting in place telemarketers. So we um, hired, you know, a couple of telemarketers that come in for however many hours per week. We gave them a script, gave them a list. We even built purpose-built areas for them in the office where they could go, sit, close the door in a wee booth, have privacy, have quiet and get through the course. But what we found was a couple of things. Firstly, they didn't hang around for very long. Uh, we would find that we would lose them. We'd be constantly trying to re you know, hire new telemarketers to fill the role, make sure that the calls were being done. They also were, and the reason for that, we just, we, after, you know, going through a couple was that um, they were getting burnt out. So we know from being agents that being on the phone for hours at a time is really monotonous and you need to have high energy. Um, and we hadn't really thought about that. So they were losing energy by the end of their shifts. Um, they also didn't feel supported. So we didn't have someone specifically training them, tracking their KPIs, monitoring, talking to them about how the script was going, um, seeing what they were getting out of it, getting their feedback around whether it was or it wasn't working. Um, and they just didn't feel like they were part of a team because the sales team was um, evolved and they were just sort of on the outskirts. They weren't really integrated into the team. So they weren't having that nurturing. Anyhow, we lost them time and time again and they weren't getting the results. So um that didn't work either. So what we identified then was that we really needed somebody to be able to monitor them, nurture the team and really invest in making sure that um, they were delivering and able to give us what we needed, which was a consistent client communication plan. And that's where the idea for Client Collective came from. And um, basically where we implemented a, a team of client care reps that were really well nurtured, really well trained so that they could really deliver on what we needed. Um, so today, uh, I really wanna show you the systems that have worked for us and, and what's gonna work for you. So what will you get out of databasing? So you'll get a steady flow of leads to fill your pipeline. You'll get a relationship with clients in your marketplace so that you've got that already in place before, you know, the time even comes that they're thinking of doing something. Uh, you'll have easier conversion at the listing table. So because you've already put the work in with the relationship and the communication before you're there, it's going to be a lot easier when you're sitting there in front of them and the time has come. You're going to have less, less lost opportunities. So think past sales that listed with another agent. You can see me crying there. It's, it's the worst. And we've all had that where we see it list and we're like, oh man, I knew I had it on my mind, you know, often you've been thinking about them and somehow they list at that time, you know, call it coincidence, who knows. Um, but you, you know, you didn't call them enough, you know, and then, yeah, it's just devastating because as well as that, we think at the end of that transaction that we've built the relationship and we actually have, it's actually already there. It's just that we need to maintain it. We need to put the energy into that to continue it. You'll also get referrals from people. So because you're talking to people in your marketplace, you're going to be able to find out that so-and-so up the street's um, thinking of selling or that, you know, can you talk to my cousin? They live around the corner and they want to come to the market. Um, so referrals from people in your marketplace. Essentially, you're going to get more money in your pocket and databasing takes the luck out of your next listing. You've got consistent flow of opportunities and a consistent flow of leads coming into your business that you can work and convert to listings rather than relying on opportunistic stock, which we're definitely not saying um, that we don't want that as well. We do. This is on top of that. So what is a database? Now, this may seem like a, a very um, straightforward question, uh, but from meeting with many, many, many agents, um, I know that there is, uh, I guess, a bit of a misunderstanding about what a database actually is. So a database is a collection of clean contact information for clients who own a property in your core marketplace. So to explain this a little further, I guess we should look at what a database isn't. So a database is not dirty data. It's not thousands and thousands of records uh, sitting in a database without contact information, without addresses, without surnames, with phone numbers that you can't call, um, with um, disconnected numbers, home numbers that have just been pulled from, you know, price finder or somewhere. Um, and it's not just an abyss, a big black hole of data. And often what we find is that uh, 
agents that are established have and haven't been doing a database model business do have this abyss of data and they're thinking, well, where do I even start? So there's lots and lots of ways that we can tackle it. Um, but the first thing that you can do is look at all the clients that have addresses. So start with your past purchases, start with your past buyers, people that you know bought in the area. Um, and yeah, there's lots of other ways. So that's a conversation for another day that we can get into how to clean it. But when we're talking about dirty data, and you'll hear me say that a lot, dirty data is essentially data that's not utilizable. We don't know that information. So it might be missing the phone numbers, missing emails, missing addresses is the key one. So the I guess two key things we need for a piece of clean data is, well, the name, uh, phone number, preferably mobile, um, and address. Where do they live? Are they relevant to us? Do we want to call them? Or do they now move and live in Saudi Arabia and they're not relevant anymore? Um, so it's really key information there. And yeah, like I said, there's lots of ways of getting to that clean data. Um, and I guess the first step is identifying that yeah, I've got thousands of records or no, I don't have any. We can look at buying data and, and all sorts of things in that in that instance. Um, but when there is a huge amount of data, it's yeah important to acknowledge that it's actually not utilizable in its current state. Now, the next thing that we want to do in the database is make sure that we've got it segmented. So buyers are still worthwhile having in the database and we can absolutely convert that at some stage to clean data that we want to keep a relationship with. But if they're all in a pool all together, uh, it's just not utilizable. So we have would have categorization or different things within your CRM that you could utilize. So things like uh, you might call it property owners category or clean data um, or, you know, Chantel database or whatever you want to call it. Um, and you may opt not to use categories and instead have ensure that you've got all your properties attached to the contact cards and things like that. So you can pull up a clean list of everyone who lives in your database and you know, go from there. Um, but we'd keep, definitely keep buyers separately. So for, yeah, another example is that buyers are beautiful example of someone we want to be emailing weekly with updates on what we've got listed. The database who lives in the home, they are not. And the reason for that is that they're not thinking of doing anything. So spamming them with you're just listed is not relevant to them unless it's maybe super relevant, like in their street. Um, but seeing, you know, they live in a house and seeing your latest unit listing, for example, it's just not relevant. And that's how we get unsubscribes. Um, all right. Yeah. Often as well, one thing I've just got my notes here. One thing to mention is that this abyss of dirty data, it really makes it hard and demotivating when you're trying to make calls. So I'm sure you guys have experienced it when you're in your, you know, in the mood, in the rhythm, you're ready to go, ready to pick up the phone to smash out some phone calls. And then client after client or contact after contact, you get, you know, don't talk to me. I don't live here. I haven't lived here for five years or um, the number's disconnected or this is the wrong number or um, that person's died or whatever comes out of it. And it's super demotivating and really hard to get in the rhythm when it's out of date and incorrect information. So oh, it's really boring talking about data and having clean data. It's really important. All right. So. We only have one goal and that is to build trust. So instead of having that issue that I just spoke about where we're demotivated um, and fi finding it really hard to be consistent because we don't have clean data to work with, we want to build a database that we can put in place a consistent communication plan where we are speaking to our clients when they're living in their homes before they've had any thoughts on selling at all. So that allows us to really build the relationship with the clients. It allows us to speak to them, to get to know their dog, to find out that they're putting in a new fence and, you know, the neighbor's refusing to pay for half of it or whatever the issues are. But it really allows us to build that relationship with them. It means we're out there doing soft appraisals just to get that face-to-face -face interaction. So the next time we make the phone call, they know who we are. They already like us, we've built the rapport. And then in a year, in two years, when the time comes to sell, they're thinking of us. So when we're looking at the decision timeline that you can see here, and for our podcast listeners, I will put this image in the, um, in the show description, uh, but I will just go over it now. So when you're looking at this image here, we've got zero to 50 years. I mean, it could be 60, it could be 80, it could be three. Um, but the zero 
to however long is when the client's living in their home, they're not thinking of selling, and that is what we call a database. So that people in your core area, you're calling them, building, nurturing that relationship with them. The next stage you can see there is the researching stage. So this is the time that they have started to have their first thoughts on coming to market. And, you know, it could be that um, we may or may not see them at this time. So we might see them at open homes. We might get an inquiry from them on a property. Um, they might call up and ask, what did that sell for? They might come along to a neighbor's open home viewing. They might show themselves, but they might not for quite a while as well. They might do their own research. And with everything we've got available online nowadays, uh, they certainly don't need to see us for quite a bit longer. So often the time that they're coming into contact with us and showing themselves as a potential seller is when they're really close to making the decision. Now, the problem with that is they're showing everyone else as well. So all of your competitors are getting that and they're getting that uh, insight at the same time as you are. And there's things uh, that we have available, you know, Rita and uh, different real estates have different programs that show that digital footprint and show that this client might be thinking of doing something um, based on where they're visiting online. Uh, but again, that really puts us into competition with everyone else. This is a time where they're going, oh gosh, well, I don't know who to choose. Everyone looks the same. There's a wall of suits in front of me. Who should I talk to? And then they're going to look for those open agent or people to really re recommend you know, what do I do in this scenario? I want to make the right decision here, but no one is setting themselves apart and no one is um, showing me that they should be the agent for me. And however much we want to think we're different, um, often we all look the same as agents. We're all presenting very similar marketing. Um, you know, offices are flash all over the place. They all look great nowadays. Um, we've all got professional photos. We've all got videos, floor plans, you know, it's hard to set yourself apart, but having the relationship. So doing the work beforehand is the one game changer in this. It takes all of that out of the way because they're not then going to be hunting for who do I talk to? Because you've already shown them that they talk to you. You've already proven to them by all of that action in, you know, the time where they're living in the database before that they've indicated they're thinking of doing something. You've already shown them that you're the expert you're the agent for them. So when the time comes, firstly, we're identifying it super early because we're talking to them. We're asking questions to identify, you know, have they got any plans? Are they thinking of doing anything? And then we're getting in the door. You're able to meet with them, but we're putting them in the pipeline and we're nurturing them along then to the point of coming to market. Um, now, it's not to say that they won't potentially get competitors out, you know, as a comparison, but you've already done the work. You've already built the trust. So to try and take that away, it's super difficult. And the other key thing to remember is that, you know, years and years ago, people held their homes for a lot longer. So if we talk about boomers, uh, for example, they might've held their, you know, they might've moved into their small home as their first property, had children there, the children grew up there, they didn't upsize, they stayed in the same home. Eventually the kids moved out and the um, parents still stayed in the same property because it wasn't overwhelmingly huge for them. It doesn't work like that anymore. So we're seeing a huge change in the way that people live in property. They're buying their first home. It might be a townhouse, it might be an apartment, it might be just a small property that they have maybe have their first child, maybe they don't, maybe they get a dog. Um, but long story short, they don't hold that home. They then upsize. They go, okay, well, we've been here. This has suited us for the time being, but it doesn't suit us anymore. We need something bigger. And they upsize to a bigger home. They might upsize again in that time. They want a pool. They want to move to the beach, whatever. And eventually the kids move out and then the home is too big for them. And then they're downsizing. So, or they're having that tree change, sea change that we um, see, you know, quite often, especially through this COVID time. Um, so, Again, our clients are selling a lot more regularly than they were. In Brisbane, in the um, Brisbane City Council LGA, the average time, well, last time I checked, the average time that people were holding their homes for was 2.9 years. So every 2.9 years, on average, they were reselling their property. So the conversations that we're having today, even though they might not be thinking of selling right now, it doesn't mean they're not going to be soon. And in most cases in uh, you know, CBD or 
inner city sort of areas, um, suburban even, you know, people are selling a lot more often than they used to be. So it's really worthwhile keeping that in mind. The other flip side to that, I guess, or the other key point to that is that means that you're able to retain the client and sell for them again. So often the clients that we're spending or investing all this time in building this relationship to have that transaction, we actually get to have again and again. Because a lot of the time until, like I say, that tree change, sea changes, they might be thinking about retirement. People stay in similar areas. Their kids are in school. They don't want to move too far. They might move one suburb over, but it's certainly not out of the realms of you know, where you would be happy to sell in most cases. So these relationships that we're investing in, uh, it's not like we're needing to consistently sub in new people and build the relationship again. We get to do business with these clients time and time again when we've done the job well and when we've built that relationship and invested the time in it. So the whole goal of speaking to people uh, that are in the database is to move them to the pipeline. So that's literally all we want to do. We want to build a relationship with them and then identify as soon as we can that they are someone that is potentially thinking of doing something and move them into the pipeline. So the pipeline and, you know, pipelines are uh, how to manage that's a conversation for another day because it's quite in depth, but agents do it in many, many different ways. So it might look like a category in the database. It might look like a whiteboard on the wall. Um, we've written blogs about this as well. So if you do want to have a read a bit more into pipeline, yeah, have a look at our blogs on our website. Um, but essentially when we're on the phone to clients uh, as part of our quarterly communication with them at being living in the database, we're asking questions to gauge what they're doing. And it's not, are you thinking of selling or how's the house going? Um, because that in the words of Tom Panos is just reeks of commission breath. <laughs> so we definitely don't wanna be sounding like that every single phone call. But um, there's definitely ways that we can ask questions to identify, have they got anything, any plans? And I think you're doing anything, um, you know, how's school going? All those kinds of things. Um, but we need to really earn trust and build that through communication before we can have those conversations. So the next step after the pipeline is decision time. So we touched on that before, but essentially all we want to do, move them from database to pipeline and move them from pipeline to listing with you. So the pipeline communication does look a lot different to database communication. It's a lot more in-depth. It's a lot more personalized. It's a lot more tailored um, and it really needs to be. So when we're talking about building a relationship, it's genuinely building a relationship. It's how can I work on this how can I you know it's not just calling up like I said before how's the house going okay I'll call you next quarter hey how's the house you know did you get that done yet straight away we're hearing when are you selling all I'm interested in is when you're coming to market but if you're going nurturing your pipeline by asking hey you know where are you what suburb are you moving to that we've got our latest market reports out so I can get you the one for that suburb if you like really trying to help nurture them as they're trying to make the decision about what to do with their property. And that will vary based on, you know, how far away they are from selling and all those kinds of things. Um, like I say, pipelines are much bigger conversation. So we'll get into that on another webinar. Uh, and then we get to the decision time. Obviously that's, you know, the time where they're choosing you as their agent, you've done the work, you're their expert. So or after all of that, I guess the key here is that with the database, we want to, we work off the um, ethos or, you know, saying that consistency builds familiarity and familiarity builds trust. So trust gives people confidence to make decisions. The decision that you're the right agent for them, the decision that you're the best agent in the area, the decision and the trust that you know them, know what their plans are, know what their needs are, know their home. Essentially, we want them to be choosing you as their expert, their agent before the time comes. And we do that through consistency, regular phone calls on a consistent schedule, building familiarity and building trust. All right. So what could that look like in your business? So essentially, we on a, a real scale, I guess, for um, one agent in a business, we look at about a thousand clean clients per agent. 
So if you had a team, uh, you might have an agent and an associate or a lead agent and a couple of associates, then we want to have a thousand per person in that team or, you know, a thousand say 500 per additional person. Now, the reason for that, you might think more is better, um, but it's absolutely not. And in most cases, less is better um, to, to a degree. Like I say, a thousand is definitely a good starting point. But the reason for that is that when we've got massive databases, they're much harder to keep clean, they're much harder to maintain, and they're much harder to um, have that can build that consistency. There's basically when you break it down and you have a look at how many hours of calls you need to do per week, the more data you've got, the more hours you need to fit into your schedule. Um, so absolutely, if you've got capacity to look after more data, it's worthwhile. But if you don't, it's not because then you're not able to spend the time that you need to, to convert the clients that you've already got. So it's much better to have a thousand clean clients that you're really, really looking after well than having 3000 that you're doing a really poor job of. So in terms of a schedule, uh, we would look at a minimum um, communication plan of one call per quarter to your thousand clients. So that's a 4,000 calls. So one, four calls per person per year. Um, and the reason I say minimum is that we want to look at things like our just listed calls, just sold calls, neighbors invites, auction invites, uh, anniversary calls, community event um, invitations. Anything additional is on top of the quarterly call. So the quarterly call happens quarter in, quarter out, week in, week out, day in, day out, however you schedule it, without fail. Everything else is on top of that. And again, the reason for that is um, we want to make sure that we're having that as a baseline communication. We're not going to be spamming them with the other calls if it's relevant to them. So what I mean is the just listed, just sold. If it's just listed in their street, they're going to be interested in it. Uh, if it's just sold in their street, if it's just listed for the whole suburb and you spoke to them two weeks ago and checked in with them, might be getting a little bit much, um, but you'll be getting feedback from clients about that. So, you know, you'll, you'll hear it from them. Um, so when we break it down, and I guess this is a really important um, element to consider is how can I fit this in my day-to-day -to, -day to be able to achieve it myself? Because it does um, break down to be, you know, quite a few calls, especially if you let it build up and you don't keep on top of it. So in our business, we break it down. We will look at the 12 weeks. There is arguably 13 weeks in a quarter. But if we're looking at having time off at Christmas or time out throughout other times of the year, um, we structure on a 12 week quarter. Um, and we break it down into how many hours of calls do I need to do every single week to make sure that I speak to every client within this quarter. So when you're looking at a thousand, you divide it by 12 weeks, it's 84 calls per week or 17 calls per day. Now it doesn't sound like a lot and it's not if you have time to do it and you can allocate the time. If you don't have time or if it gets pushed out, uh, it, it, it becomes a lot because, you know, it quickly grows to 150 calls, you know, 300 calls, and then you're behind the eight ball. Having that consistency is really, really important and putting it in place in a way that works for you. So some agents that I've worked with in the past, um, obviously our clients now use us, but um, some clients that I've worked with in the past or even businesses I've worked in, I've seen some really effective ways of scheduling in call sessions that work for um, work for them. Even when I was selling, um, I would love having a buddy. So having someone else in the office, sometimes we even switch, they'd do Michael's, I'd do theirs, um, because then you're accountable to them. Uh, another great way to do it is to book um, like a pizza night. Some offices will do a pizza night, everyone stays in, gets on the phones once a week or twice a week. Um, the office shouts pizza, and it's more fun, you know, you get to ding the bell or something if you get the appraisal. Um, uh, or if, you know, once you're finished, you can go, awesome, I got through my goals for this week. I wanted to call 84 people and I've done that. Um, other things that you could do, and this is something I would really rate depending on what works for you, but just blocking out time first thing in the morning every day. The reason I say first thing in the morning is the sooner you get in and get it done, um, you know, it's not being delayed and it's much easier to go done that. Now I can get on to the other things I've got to do. Nothing can get in my way now. Prospecting is the number one thing I needed to do today and I've done it already. So that's awesome. All right. Yeah. The main, and it also it's really, really important to make sure 
whatever, and I mentioned this before, but whatever system does work for you, do that. Don't do what works for somebody else because prospecting is the first thing to go when we get busy and having a system in place, making it habitual is the key to ensuring that we don't end up pushing this back and, you know, it's the last thing that gets done or doesn't get done. All right. So on that hot tip. So whenever you schedule to do calls, pick up the phone as soon as possible. So like I was saying, if that's first thing in the morning, awesome, do it first thing in the morning. If it's at five o'clock at night, pick up the phone. Just sit down, rip the bandaid off, pick, pick the phone up, make the call. And as soon as that call's over, do it again. And the reason I say that is that we all get caught in the fear and hesitation. And we procrastinate and we dawdle and we make a coffee and we say, oh no, it's not the best time to make calls at... 10 a.m. because people are busy. So I'm going to call at five and then five o'clock comes and you're too tired or some dramatic things happen in the day and you've got to rush off to a property or a buyer's called and they want to get through or whatever the case is. It's not, it's just not important. You must, must, must get the calls done. So figure out a way that to do it. And like I say, rip the bandit off and just get stuck into it. Get the, it's the best way to handle that fear and the hesitation um, is just to rip it off and just keep doing it. And this is something um, I do as well. My team set, uh, <laughs> they did um, bidding and ended up with me on the phones uh, recently. And it's been some time since I've been on the phone. So I was a bit nervous, um, but the best, I literally just had to do that. I was just like, Sean, you've just got to rip the bandit off, get stuck into it and pick up the phone. And then as soon as it was done, I typed my notes and got straight into the next one. I did not break until I was done all of my calls. Um, so yeah, that's a great tip. And I really do think that's super relevant. All right. Know what you want. So tips and scripts, database calls. So know what you want to get out of the call and how to get it. This is super important when you're jumping on the phone. We don't want to go into a call, uh, without a direction, without a clear goal to get out of the call. Um, and there's a couple of key things you know, that we want to keep in mind so that we're not overwhelming clients on the end of the phone and so they actually want to talk to us. Um, so what are we going to say? Have have that behind you. Know, like I say, know your goal. There's a couple of different um, ideas here. So for example, a script that, and you know, we may have all heard this script before. I was, I started selling in 2007 and I'm sure I saw letters saying something similar to this then, um, that so-and-so is going to be out in your street in the next three weeks and would you like an appraisal? Um, but this script is one of our best performing scripts and it doesn't sound like that, what I just said before. So using a script saying, I'm coming out, I'm meeting with one of your neighbours on in Smith Street uh, on Thursday morning at 10 o'clock. Uh, I've got time in the afternoon um, and I'm going to be in the area, so would you like an appraisal as well? That is building social proof for the client so that going, oh, well, so-and-so is doing it, so... I'm going to, I, you know, might as well get one as well. I had been thinking about it. It also makes it easy for them because they feel like they're not a hassle for you. Um, and you might say, I'm meeting some of your neighbours on Tuesday morning and Thursday afternoon. Do either of those times suit you? If they go no, and you can say, well, to be honest, I'm always out and about, so I can pop past. Is there another day that's better? Um, just listed, just sold. So building evidence and building trust. Just listed and just sold are always relevant to clients. Like I say, as long as it's, you know, a house for people that own a home, a unit for people that own a unit, and it's in an area that's relevant to them, it's always going to be interesting. People like to know what's happening in their area. Um, it also builds trust that you're good at your job. You're showing them evidence that you are good at your job and that you've done a good job for somebody else and that somebody else picked you. Uh, it's really, it's really, really valuable phone calls, those ones. Neighbours open home. This is my favorite. I love a neighbor's open home. So scheduling, it's really important. You schedule it before your first open home. It's not at the same time as your open home. It's its own open home called a neighbor's open home that you're inviting every single person in the street or all owners in the street. If you can be um, bothered making sure that they're all owners, otherwise you could just let a box drop the whole street. Um, now the beauty in this is that you are growing data. It's like a, you get to show yourself off just to neighbours in the, in the local area. It's awesome. Um, and also they're putting a face to the name. So they would have seen your signboards. They've seen all of your marketing material. They've seen probably your listings on REA. 
They might have seen um, your Facebook ads and that kind of thing, but they get to meet you in person and find out that you are actually really lovely. It's purely a rapport building exercise. And it's also, and, and this is how you would sell it to your sellers, is they love the area already. So why wouldn't we show them the home? Why wouldn't we tell them about it? If they know someone that's looking to do something locally, they want to buy in the area, they're going to be telling them about your place. Um, so they're our best spruikers of the property. Uh, street or suburb report. So that's a really great opportunity to get email and mobile details. So it's awesome for door knocking, but on the phones, obviously you're hopeful that you've got mobile already, um, but offering a street or suburb report is a great way of getting whatever data you don't have. If you don't have mobile, say you can email it to them. I uh, say you can, sorry, text it to them. If you don't have email, say you can email it to them. What's their email address? And that way you're bettering your data. Uh, and then obviously your opposition listing calls, which are becoming more and more relevant now. Um, you know, people that have been sitting on the market for quite some time. Um, yeah, absolutely worthwhile hitting those guys up too. All right, I've got a big bunch of call ideas here for you guys. So direct appraisal calls. So that's similar to what I just uh, shared before with we're going to be in the street, just listed, just sold neighbors, open home, opposition listing. So we've been through those. Leftover buyers. So um, we've just sold this property. We've got leftover buyers that are looking to buy in the area. Um, agent will be in your street. We've been over that one, street or suburb report, direct appraisal calls. Honestly, that could be a thousand different ways that you offer an appraisal, but essentially it's a call to offer an appraisal and update for them. Um, one that I love is 12 months after they've had an appraisal, call them and say, hey, I'm just calling you due for your annual appraisal. What, what day suits you? And that way you're, um, it's less of a question and more of a, we're coming out, when suits you. Um, on the markets for sale and for rent, for rent are awesome too. I mean, depending on what area you're in, um, you know, the rental market's going crazy in a lot of areas. Um, but there are lots of people that have properties on the market for rent that would consider selling if they could get the right price. Withdrawals, end of financial year, always good. New calendar year. Honestly, you can make up any reason for a call. A Christmas call, supply and demand. So this was a great script throughout COVID and when we've got, you know, a really strong market that we've got, um, basically a lack of supply of property and an over demand. So would you consider an offer if it was at the right price? Invites to auctions. Other ideas. Another one I love is anniversary calls. That's super important, especially when you sold the property to them. Um, but also if you didn't, if they moved into the area, it's a great opportunity when they first move in to welcome, to the welcome them to the area. Um, and anniversary call, you know, doesn't matter if it was yours or not yours. They still will they probably have no idea that they bought the property four years ago this month or what have you. Um, so it's a great chance for a phone call. All right. So when you're coming up with a script and some people do use a script and I recommend it at the beginning of your calls, just so that you can make sure that you're being direct and getting what you want out of it. Um, so there's a couple of things that I really love to keep in mind when writing a script. Uh, the first thing is always having a reason for the call. So making sure we've got one, and we've spoken about that with our previous script ideas, but making sure we've got one goal for the call, um, either to book the appraisal, to let them know about the property that's just listed, those kinds of things, update their details. We might be just wanting to get new email addresses to grow our email data. Uh, we might be wanting to um, invite them to a community event, but making sure that we have the one goal. If you try and put in too many things, like say, for example, you want to talk to them about a sales appraisal and a rental appraisal for their property, it's just not effective. We approach the rental appraisal or an investor, um, you know, with that in mind so that we can go, we know that you're an investor, um, you know, have you considered a rental appraisal on your property? Sometimes when you're in a really good conversation, you can slot in extra information, um, but those are you know, those are the great calls. So if you can and you want to go, hey, well, I've got you, um, you know, would you like an updated rental appraisal? But as the bulk direction of the script, we want to keep it really straightforward. I'm calling because I wanted to let you know this property just sold. It's around the corner to you and it's relevant to your property. Um, so the law of because, this is a, another little nugget um, that we've learned from Tom Panos, the law of because. So essentially in your script, you say, I'm calling because and make it super clear, let them know 
why you are calling. It also lets them know you're not going to be long. You're just calling about that. Um, and it can be a really great way to get around someone being stroppy on the phone or upset with you on the phone. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I was just calling because, but I'll let you go. Uh, I can see now it's not a good time. Um, another key, another key tip. I think I've got it here. Yeah, do we'll get to that one next. Um, is the power of awe. So the power of awe is something I really, really love. And it essentially allows you to create open questions with any question. Um, so you can see here this in this example script, which I'll read out. Jen, I'm reaching out to you today because we've just listed one, two, three fake street up the road from you. Did you happen to see what, that one at all? Yes, I have seen that one. It's the one with the blue fence. Yes, that's the one, Jen. Can I ask, are you keeping an eye on the market because you're thinking of moving at some stage in the future or, and then you be silent. And Jen will finish your question for you. Um, so you can put that on the end of anything. Do you have any interest in the home at all? Or, oh no, it's probably not for me. You know, I really wanted something with an extra living area, whatever the situation is. Ask it, test it out at dinner time with your partner or your housemate. Do you want pizza for dinner or see how it goes? Um, some other key tips, how to not get hung up on as often. Um, so key tips when you're writing your script, read your script aloud, super important. And I have been at fault of, at this uh, many times. Well, no, not many times. I learned the first time, but reading your script aloud means that you get to find out if it's too wordy uh, before you're on the phone to a client blabbering in their ear for 30 seconds and they don't have a chance to breathe. So read it aloud to yourself. Don't just read it, read it aloud. Really, really important. Hide in a room if you need to so you don't feel like a dork, but read it out loud. Remember, your client doesn't know if you miss a part of the script. So when you're on the phone to the client, keep it cool. They've got no idea what you had planned to say. Um, so, you know, just get through it. And as you get more and more familiar with it, it'll get easier and easier and easier. Smile before you dial. My team love hearing this. Um, it makes such a big difference to smile before you pick up the phone. And you could test it, record yourself. That's our next tip. But test recording yourself uh, smiling and then record yourself not smiling and see the difference that it makes is it makes a huge difference. Um, recording yourself is super important it helps you pick up on tone as well. So you can see, do you sound super monotone? Do you sound bored? Um, but recording and listening. Now we all hate listening to ourselves recorded, uh, but it's really, really, really valuable. And you'll be your biggest critic. So go easy on yourself, um, but it's really worthwhile exercise to record yourself. Now, the last two are so important, but have energy, be enthusiastic. If you're... Um, droning on the phone, you're boring, you're unenergetic, you seem like you're just disinterested, the client is not going to be interested in you. You need to be super energetic, um, really enthusiastic. Be happy, be kind, be polite. It's super hard for clients to be mean to someone who is lovely. Um, so, you know, there's lots and lots that you'll get through by just being really nice on the other end of the phone. Um, and if you have to fake it, if you're not feeling it that day, fake it. It's your job. It's going to help you get more business. Super important. All right. That's all we've got for today, you guys. So if you do have any questions, um, oh, I can see one here now. Let's have a look. Um, do I only need to do calls to my database or are there other particular marketing avenues that work best with the calls to optimize my database? Great question. And yes, you don't need to only do calls to your database. So um, essentially calls to your database are our baseline. And obviously calls are my, you know, where my passion and interest is. However, the results that we see best are from databases that are um, supplemented with other marketing. So that's why it's really great to have a core area because you can do things like your um, DL letterbox drops. You can do letters to the suburb. They're seeing your signboards in a core marketplace. Um, they're seeing your bus stops. They're seeing billboards if you've got them. Um, all of those kind of things. So having that 
layered marketing approach is really important. It's just really important to have calls as a layer of that. So having all of those things, you know, ticking off all your typical marketing, text messaging is awesome within reason. Um, emails can be um, good if done well. So um, emails are a bit risky because uh, people that are not thinking of doing anything, they don't want to be spammed with emails and they'll just unsubscribe. For your pipeline, if you're doing personalized emails, that can be awesome. For buyers, they can be really good. Um, but absolutely doing complimentary marketing is really, really important. And all of those things that I've listed off will really help. Um, they'll help the course be more su successful as well. Um, so just being really present. And it's that top of mind awareness. It's just really, really important. Um, all right. Unless we've got any other questions, hopefully I've covered that one off for you there. Um, I'm going to wrap it up today, but if you would like to get in touch or you jump off and you think of anything, then please do get in touch by any of these um, methods here. Um, we do do in office training uh, via Zoom or in person as well. So if you do want um, personalized training, we can sort that out as well. So please get in touch or if you're interested in talking about calls, you just know that it's not something that's your strength you know it's not going to be something that you're you're, um, you're able to commit to, then yeah, please do get in touch. Uh, otherwise, we are going to be doing webinars monthly and we'll be doing a deep dive into different topics each month. Um, so today was, I guess, a bit of an overview of databasing, like we said at the beginning, the how and why, why it's important, where the value is. Um, but we'll be doing different topics each month. So jump in, register for our next webinar. Uh, we do also have... Uh, blogs and training, little short training snippets on the website. So if you head to clientcollective.com.au, um, in the you'll be able to go to the blog section and to the tips section, top tips section. Um, and there's some blogs and training videos in there as well. Um, so yeah, that's all for today. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for being here and listening to our latest episode of Opening Doors, the real estate podcast with Chantel. If you like what you've heard, please be sure to like and subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. And as always, don't forget to listen out for that not yet, as it could mean sometime soon.